The Money Show. Personal Finance. Personal Finance this evening. Maya Fisher-French is personal finance expert. She is an author. She has the website Maya on Money. Uh, endowment policies and why they could be useful if you are considering emigration. Before we get into the nitty-gritty here, Maya, endowment policies don't have a great rap, uh, or rep even. Um, what is an endowment policy? Why does it not have a good rep? And why might it be useful here? Bruce, absolutely. So an endowment policy is is basically an investment policy issued by a life company. And I'm not a big fan of them um, because I think a lot of the time they are missold. Um, so if, if just to unpack it a little bit, they, people are told that if they invest in an endowment policy, they get the proceeds tax free. And that sounds all very good until you look at the look at the detail, which is that an endowment policy is actually taxed in the hands of the insurer at a rate of 30%. So if your tax rate is lower than 30%, it makes absolutely no sense to invest in an endowment policy. And yet we see a lot of people, uh, you know, middle income earners who really aren't benefiting from that tax break, uh, sitting in endowment policies because they sold as education policies and they, they told stuff that actually isn't necessarily true. Um, they also uh, are locked in for five years and there can be penalties if you try and exit early. You know, just generally one of those kind of products, especially in, in, in the olden days when all these very high fees products were out there, it was one of those ones that we all, as, as consumer financial journalists, got upset about and felt that they were being missold. So for me, endowment policies sold sometimes to the wrong people. Now, it does have good estate planning benefits for high net worth people. Uh, for example, you because it's a policy, you're able to leave it to your beneficiary on your death, which means it doesn't get, form part of your estate, which means it can get wound up quickly, it can be paid out, um, you know, all of those benefits. Um, and also being outside of the estate, it means there are no executive fees. So, so that's kind of the summary of, of what an endowment policy is. So you've got on one hand, um, it can be tax efficient if you have a, a a tax rate above 30%, but generally, you know, missold largely to people as education policies. Um, Bruce, I have no doubt I'm going to be getting calls tomorrow morning from all the life insurance. I have no doubt, but you, were, you, you had nothing to do tomorrow morning anyway. Why is it, uh, why would an endowment policy be a more attractive thing to be putting money into other than a traditional retirement annuity or a pension fund of some description? Why would you choose the endowment policy route? Because you can leave it to beneficiaries, you can liquidate it as quickly. Um, and potentially lower costs. Yeah, so so I mean, I think that is, uh, in, as I said, an endowment policy is for for high net worth individuals. It can be quite quite useful. But quite frankly, if I was saving for my child's education, um, you know, just stick it into a unit trust fund or you know an exchange traded fund, and you can you know invest it through that way. You don't need to go and put it into this wrapper, which is often um, a lot more expensive. Um, there's additional fees. So for me, it doesn't really make um, make a lot of sense. But as I said, I have found a very interesting. Well, I discovered this week, Bruce, and it's not often I find new things <laughs> out there, um, but an endowment policy does actually have quite a big benefit um, if you're considering immigration, and that is, sadly, a very, very big topic for South Africans at the moment. Absolutely right. So what is the big, uh, what is the big secret that everyone's been keeping from us and that you have uncovered? I possibly have uncovered. I'm sure there's a lot of tax planners, I mean, financial planners are phoned after saying, oh, we knew this, but i actually not so sure because... I want to just just take a step back and to explain what happens when you immigrate, when you leave South Africa and you cease to be a tax resident. The day you cease to be a tax resident, SARS says, okay, great. 
we are going to apply something called a deemed disposal. We are going to assume that you have today sold every single asset that you own and there any capital gains that you have from those assets, even though you haven't physically sold them, we assume that there will be a capital gain um, on that. If there is a capital gain, capital gains tax applies and you will pay capital gains tax on all of these assets, local and internationally, uh, to us right now. It becomes immediately the day that you cease tax residency, you owe it to SARS. So this has come as quite a big shock to people. It's been actually in legislation for a long time, but I think with this, this massive increase in immigration, it's starting to dawn on people that this actually happens. And it's quite a, I mean, it's, it, it's a real liquidity crisis for a lot of people, but there are some exceptions. So the one exception is South African property. So if you're, any of your South African immovable property will not be part of this deemed disposal. So you don't have to worry about that. You do have to worry about your little penthouse in uh, London, perhaps, um, Bruce, but you don't. Oh, no, not the penthouse. Sorry. Oh, God, Holland Park. It was such a lovely idea. (laughs) Dreams. Yes. Yeah. So your your little penthouse in London, I'm afraid, would be considered part of that deemed disposal. And any they would go and say, well, what's the value of it now? Oh, my goodness, you've made so much money. You owe us capital gains tax, right? So Even though, I mean, because uh, because you were domiciled and tax resident in South Africa, because of global taxation rules, it doesn't matter where the assets sit, you are deemed to have been tax domiciled in South Africa, therefore you should be paying this deemed disposal tax, um, regardless exactly. of whether yeah. you perceive it exactly. to be a great injustice or not. Exactly. Um, when it comes to tax, there is no greater injustice just generally. So we have to accept this. Um, so yes, you will. You, if you are in South, a South African tax resident, any asset you have globally is 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 part of of SARS's kind of, you know, it falls under SARS's umbrella. So they say right, any asset you have will become uh, is a deemed disposal. Other than South African property, your retirement funds, and guess what? Number three is policies issued by a South African insurer. Ta-da! An endowment policy. So in other words, any of your endowment policies will not be part of the deemed disposal. And I'm sitting there when I heard this. I actually was at a, a, a tax conference thanks to Dysekum. I picked this up from Azaz. And I thought, wait, hold on a moment. This, produ- this can create some tax planning, actually, opportunities. If you are somebody who thinks, look, I'm going to one day retire overseas, I'm not planning on my retirement in South Africa, for example, or I have plans in the next, you know, five or six years to to immigrate, um, maybe I should be thinking, and I'm putting money offshore. So, Bruce, a lot of people are obviously, even if they're not planning immigration, are putting a lot of money offshore at the moment, but especially if people are planning an immigration at some point, they're putting money overseas. Um, and maybe they should be considering putting that into an endowment. Um, and I just thought this is something that, that popped up my radar. And I think it's certainly something that people need to maybe be chatting to their financial planners about and seeing if, if, this, is, if this is a way to at least sort of protect against um, some of these taxes that are going to come down um, on them when the day they cease to be tax residents. Uh, and, and I mean, tra- traditionally endowments, what, you need to be invested in an endowment for at least five years or are there different periods of duration? No, that's, it's generally a minimum of five years. So, you know, I think after that, you can let it roll over. 
um, but you do generally have to lock in for five years. And also, of course, remember that the capital gains tax only really becomes a problem if you've got capital gain. So if you're about to, if you, if you think of immigration in the next year or two, it's not likely that you're going to have that much capital. So if you went today and you you, you started an investment, um, it's not likely that that investment today is going to have grown so much in capital that it, it's a major problem. So I'd say this is a bit, bit for longer term planning. So something that in five years time, an action you're planning on taking in, in yeah. five years time, it is something to think about. And I must say, I've got assets offshore. And I, I thought, wow, that, that's an interesting thought. Not Bruce that I'm planning on immigration or whatever that in my, at the moment, but you know, it, it just suddenly made me think. You know, this is a product I don't like particularly. Um, but I thought, hold on a second. You know, there are some instances where it actually can be a very, very useful um, product tool. Okay, thank you for that, Maya. I think it's a useful tip. And again, not every single suggestion is applicable to absolutely everybody. You do need independent financial advice on this because your circumstances are different to the Joneses and the Guniwes and everybody else's in your street. So do get some proper advice on it. But it's a great observation. Thank you, Maya Fisher-French. Uh, Maya Fisher-French is uh, with us doing personal finance this evening. Uh, we've got a question from Lerato, um, who I think lives in the world of wishful thinking. We're going to get to Lerato's question in just a moment. If I earn foreign income, do I pay tax? I know the short answer to this, <laughs> but we'll get a longer and more detailed, more considered and more sensitive response, Lerato, to your question with Maya Fisher-French in a moment. The Money Show. Personal Finance. Before we get on to Lerato's question, Jeffrey in Cape Town with a question for Maya Fisher-French this evening. Hello, Jeffrey. Hi, Bruce. Hi, Maya. How are you guys doing? We are delightful. Your question, please, Jeffrey. Okay, I'm the chairperson of a charity based in Kailitsha, and uh, over and above government grants, the rest of the funds have to come through the charitable, uh, you know, the kindness of, of the community. I was just wondering whether one could set up a, an endowment policy where potential donors can contribute towards the endowment policy and the centre would get the benefit from the interest. I think that's an interesting idea, Jeffrey. Maya, off the top of your head, you may need to do a little research on this. Are you aware of that, whether or not that um, could escape the clutches of SARS in the same way as charitable donations could? Um, yeah, I would definitely have to look into that one. I'm not a, I'm not a tax expert, but I, I, if you are a, if not a, why are you not registered as a PBO, um, a public benefit organization? Because there's obviously often tax, tax benefits that way. Uh, Jeffrey, um, just so a I'm quick, quick sure. question. I mean, yeah. I'm sure that I'm sure that you are, but uh, just to clarify, yeah, we are a WO organisation, so we, we we're not tax based. So, what would then be the benefit of setting up this this particular structure for you, then, uh, Jeffrey? Would you hope that this would give a benefit then to your donors somehow, or what what would yeah. be your thinking? Yes, the thought was the thought was you'd set up a, the, this endowment policy that. The benefactors or the donors, whichever you want to call them, uh, would contribute towards this. Uh, it's almost like a, a savings account for them, but uh, the interest that gets generated uh, on an annual basis would then be the, the, our centre would then be nominated as a benef beneficiary um, of the interest that's gained every year uh, ah. by the, the policy. No, no, I, okay, I get uh, you. I think I, I think I get you on that one. It, yeah. it sounds convoluted, yeah. Maya. Um, but yeah, because remember, you can only have, I mean, you can have a policy holder and you can have a, a beneficiary. Um, so who would the policy holder be? Yeah, I, I think you'd need to, it sounds like it would be a little bit complicated. 
um, right. to do it in, in that way. And I suppose what you're looking at is, is, is a way for you to get that interest tax free. But if you're not paying interest in the first place, do you really need that structure? Um, yeah, but, but probably something that, that uh, a financial, perhaps a financial planner with some tax expertise needs yeah. to look at. But I can't tell you off the top of my head. I don't, it doesn't, I'm, I'm not quite getting the structure in my head. Okay. Yeah. No, no, and it is complicated to explain on the radio. But thank you, Jeffrey, for your question for Maya this evening. And I think what you get, the message you're getting from Maya is interesting idea but get some proper advice. I'm sure there's somebody you can lean on. Uh, do I need to pay foreign income? Do I need to pay tax on foreign income? It's a question from uh, Leratu, who's a resident of South Africa, hosting online sessions for a foreign company as a side hustle. So it implies that Lerato has got income. Uh, and uh, she says, I work as and when I'm booked. There's no consistent schedule and I earn per hour worked. Are my earnings taxable? The short answer to that, Maya, is Absolutely, they are. Um, but uh, what, what are the things that Lerato must look out for in this particular case? Just doesn't matter where the money comes from. It's your income. You have to declare it, I suppose. Absolutely. And it's so interesting, Bruce. I'm getting this question frequently at the moment. Um, and it, first of all, it tells me that there's a lot of South Africans who are doing online work internationally, um, which I think is, is just an interesting trend. Obviously, this is a COVID trend, right? People are now able to work internationally from, from South Africa. Um, and a lot of people, so in, in obviously in Lerato's case, she, it's a side hustle. Um, she, she is working for a company locally as well. Um, but even if you are working and, and, and your only income is the, is, is the foreign company, if you are sitting in South Africa and you are a tax resident in South Africa, then every single cent that you earn anywhere in the world is, is completely taxable in South Africa. And I think we, we spoke about it a little bit earlier where I was saying even your worldwide assets. So if you have a rental property in Portugal, that is taxable in South Africa. Um, and it gets a very complicated because it could possibly also be taxed in the country that you're renting the property out in. So you've got all these double taxation agreements and you've got a, it's a rigmarole. And I do think, you know, Bruce, as I said, I was, I was sitting through a tax, um, session earlier this week. And it, it feels to me that every single tax authority in the world wants their pound of flesh. Um, and this is making it incredibly complex to understand. Um, as you know, if you are, well, what if I'm working overseas for two years, but I'm still a South African tax resident, you know, then then the DTA uh, double taxation agreement may be a come into effect all that 1.25 million that you is you're exempt from in South African tax it, you, it, you, it's really really a complicated um, environment and I think people who are especially if they're working overseas and still South African tax residents need to make sure that they're working with a tax practitioner who understands all these rules that are changing every five minutes but Lerato is, is actually very simple any if you are sitting in South Africa and you are earning any income from even if it's from Mars <laughs> it's taxable <laughs> in South Africa, and you do have to declare it as part of your taxable earnings. Um, and I think what, how one does that, obviously, she may be paid, in, and this is the other thing, of course, she's being paid in a foreign currency. This is the other rule is that you're, you're, if it's paid into foreign currency, you're supposed to be bringing it back to South Africa. Um, and this is another, you know, issue um, with exchange controls, because although you can have money offshore, you've got to bring it back to South Africa and then put it back out, outside of South Africa. So this does get quite complicated with all our tax laws and um, and our, our exchange controls. But one thing she should consider is that it, that she can, of course, 
um, put deductions against that. So maybe she has to have a computer. Maybe she has to have data. There are, are various things. Maybe she there's certain um, things that she has to use in, in producing these online sessions. Those would be tax deductible. So she could include those in her tax return as tax deductibles. Uh, but, uh, but that also that also becomes a bit complicated because does she have a company? Does she declare the income via a company? In which case that is tax deductible. If this is just a side hustle and and she's not a provisional taxpayer to convince SARS that she should be allowed to put off, uh, offset expenses against this becomes a bit more complicated because they are not particularly generous when it comes to people with just one or two sources of income. You've got to show that you are a provisional taxpayer with multiple sources of income and multiple potential for expenses and, and, and. Um, you know, SARS doesn't make life easy for you to, to, uh, to get a benefit. No, this home office thing has been quite tricky, especially for a lot of people who are working from home now. Um, SARS has been not made it easy. I did see, though, in the, in the budget review now, they are looking at a proper structure for home office. So something like that could hopefully benefit Lerato going forward. But she is, at the end of the day, incurring some costs in, in her side hustle. And it, it's worth at least trying <laughs> to put it in. No, completely. Um, it's never. It's always worth trying. And another thing, of course, is to is that she needs. She's got to think about the tax aspect of this. Um, so she, if she's if she's generating more income, um, that and it's taxable. She needs to make sure she's keeping that tax aside. And I see this a lot with side hustles. So people forget that they that this is taxable. Um, at the end of the year, SARS hits them with a tax bill and they don't have the money because the side hustle has been like for their luxuries or some nice to haves and they spend it all. And then SARS says, wait, hold on a second. Um, remember, you, you, you've got your income from your company, but now your side hustle, we add that in. It could even push you into a new tax threshold. So your tax goes up, um, you know, even into a new into a new tax bracket. So she does definitely need to be keeping at least, I would just say, listen, keep 25% of those earnings in a separate savings accounts so that you can meet the tax bill um, for it. Because I think that's another another mistake um, people make. And Bruce, probably if she really is upset about the tax, she could also take out a retirement annuity and um, offset some of the tax using that. So she could say, well, some of this I'll, I'll put into retirement annuity and at least lower the, the tax um, implications of it. But it, it's quite a significant thing. And, and it's something, Bruce, I'm seeing a lot of freelancers, side hustle people getting caught out. And in fact, I was I run a program called Money Makeover and one of our, our candidates owed, AIDS, um, owed SARS 80,000 rand because of uh, the sort of side hustle, um, you know, things that were going on. And she didn't That's realize the tax implications. It's a very successful side hustle, but please, if you're earning income, if you're selling cattle on your farm, whatever it might be, this is advice to everybody. No one is excluded, Maya. You do need to declare your income and do it up front. Don't ask, don't, don't have SARS <laughs> coming to knock on the farm gate or wherever you might be. Maya Fisher-French, thank you so much uh, for your contribution to The Money Show this evening. Maya Fisher-French uh, is the person behind Maya on Money. She writes for City Press. She is a prolific uh, provider of content on issues of money and personal finance.